It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Says shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. And uh, on behalf of SENZ and our good friends uh, Polaris, uh, we welcome you into the next uh, three hours of what I believe is a pretty cool show. And we start this morning uh, after the, the sermon with Sam Pinfold. Sam Pinfold uh, coming to us out of the United States. Sam Caddies for Cameron Smith, the number five golfer in the world. Uh, and real contention to win the Masters last week. He's won the Players' Championship. He's won the Century Champion of Champions this year. How's it going, Sam? I think pretty cool. We'll find out very shortly. Uh, Ricky Piwai comes to us uh, just after 9.32, former Diamondback, of course, uh, and uh, he is uh, going to uh, give us an update on the, on the uh, what he expects out of uh, the MLB this year, Major League Baseball, uh, and where's uh, baseball at with New Zealand as well uh, at the moment. So uh, an update from Ricky on that. That'll be interesting. Scott Robertson and uh, yep, Razor after 10 o'clock, and uh, this weekend it's the Crusaders against the Blues. Memories of that for Scott Robertson and the focus this week will be interesting. Uh, a panel uh, consisting of Sam Ackerman and Guy Havelt uh, coming to us as well. Ricardo Ball just after 11 o'clock. Catch up on all things football and some harness and greyhound racing tips for you coming throughout the morning till 12 o'clock when Staffy takes over. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, the race, the race, the race. 900,000 big ones on the line tonight at Cambridge. A harness racing windfall awaits the all-round connections, including ours here at SENZ. The race by Grins, 8.55, will set a lot of gnashes showing for some. Are you feeling self-assured today? Are you getting it? It could be the omen if you are. I am confess I'm a favourite backer. That's why I work for the station and I don't own it. But not tonight. I'm feeling number three. I'm feeling number three will do it to the rest of the field. I know it goes against the grain, and I'm sorry, Louie. I'm sorry, Kempi. I'm sorry, everyone else. But get on the twa, the tray, the toru, the san. Just do it. You heard it here first. Do it, and you'll be eating Easter eggs till the cows come home. And get on the couch tomorrow night at 7 o'clock as well. To be honest, there's naff all else to do, is there? We're literally back in lockdown for the day. Anyway, the Crusaders and the Blues, out of Christchurch, the best of the best, both current title holders. Razors, boys, have been good, but haven't played all their trumps just yet. You get that feeling. Is tomorrow night the night when the bag gets snapped open? Uh, the night when Richie steps up and Will Jordan explodes? Or does Bodie run the cutter as so Rungy's boys can bask for the remainder of the long weekend? It's been a week where reviews have been the hot topic. But those issues are minuscule compared to the plight of Formula One drivers 
Not only have they been told they can't wear any bling, but they're also not allowed to wear their favourite undies anymore. Get that. They can't wear their superstitious favourite undies anymore because they might be flammable. Point one, who's got to check for that? Point two, fancy being disqualified when you're flat out driving around a track at well over 350k per hour because your underwear isn't suitable. Mine wouldn't be worth checking, I promise you. And Claire Moore thinks he's got problems? Just another reason. Just another reason to back number three tonight. Nine oh seven here on SENZ, and I confess I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time, and I finally managed to get hold of this bloke. He's a little bit elusive, but uh, you'll know him as the bloke uh, that carries the bag for Cameron Smith. I'm talking about Sam Pinfold, cracking guy uh, who bases himself out of Parapara Umu when he's home. Uh, you might see him on a racetrack or two as well, but of late you'll have seen him in the white overalls carrying that bag for Cameron Smith, who was very much, uh, in, well, I say in line to win up until about Amen Corner last Monday morning, New Zealand time. Sam, good morning to you. Great to catch up, mate. Yeah, good morning, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, really cool, mate. Uh, watching you very, uh, very, very closely. Uh, it's been a heck of a year for Cameron, which means it's been a heck of a year for you too, Sam. You've won the Century Tournament of Champions, the Players' Championship, the fifth major, and, of course, so close uh, last weekend at Augusta. Uh, you guys are on a roll. Yeah, we are, mate. He's really, um, I mean, right from the start of the year when I first turned up and saw him in January, he was fit and strong. Uh, Sam might have dropped out there. I hope he's not hearing too much out of uh, Sam at the moment. I'm waiting for our tech guys. Early in the season. You there? You're still Hello? there, Sam? You're still there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, mate. We yeah, just there, mate. had you yep. drop out for a while. Yeah, we just had you drop out. That's okay. We'll, we'll just carry on. How did, how did your first association uh, with uh, with Cameron come about, mate? I mean, it, you know, was it was it just a chance meeting? It was about eight years ago at the New Zealand Open. Um, I was getting for Michael Sim, and then uh, Cam needed a caddy on the weekend after Michael had missed the cut, and he was only about a 20-year-old kid then. I caddied the weekend for him, and then uh, we got along pretty good and then just kept in touch with him and the agent. And about six months later, I uh, started working for him full-time and been with him ever since. So we're coming up on eight years, which is a pretty sort of handy little run there. Who'd you caddy for before that, mate? Uh, right before right before Cam was uh, Trevor Immelman. Um, it worked for a range of guys, Aaron Price, Scott Gardner, Brendan Steele, did a few weeks with Rio Ishikawa. So sort of a fair few guys before that. And I started out originally with Brad Isle, a good mate of mine from back there in New Zealand. and Did about four or five years with him over here on the uh, what was then the Nationwide Tour in America. Is it the dream job for you, Caddy? Um, yeah, it's turned, it's turned out that way. Uh, I never intended on becoming a Caddy, but um, it's sort of just... Um, just year after year went by and come into it, and yeah, it is. It's really at the level we're at now, and obviously competing the way we are, and it's uh, it's it's a, it certainly is a dream job. You have to pinch yourself a few times. I mean, that experience on Sunday is sort of well, it didn't go our way. It's sort of something you're never going to forget. The last group at Augusta, and on a perfect sunny day, and on one of the on probably the best golf course in the world. So against the number one in the world, so it was certainly a sort of you know moment. Sort of stood in the first tee and looked around, and sort of took it all in before we before we got going, but. Uh, once you get going, you sort of soon, soon forget all that and you get to knuckle down and do your job. But uh, no, it is a great job. And to work for someone like Cam, he's just, a, he's just an amazing kid, mate. I'm uh, just so, so privileged and proud of him and very lucky to be associated with someone like him. I mean, the mullet's become acceptable again. He's made that. 
yeah, yeah, I don't think that's going away for a while, mate. Um, you get, uh, it's become a bit of a cult following over here, and uh, you get a fair few people yelling out in the crowd and sort of enjoying it, but uh, he's really embraced it. It just started a bit of a joke during COVID, I think. He just didn't really get a haircut, and then it's just uh, gone on from there. But he loves his rugby league, and there's a fair few of them running around the NRL, so I think it's uh, another reason for it there. Uh, hey, let's, uh, let's just get inside the art of catting for a moment, mate. Um, and particularly at Augusta, uh, they make you wear the white overalls. That's been a tradition since uh, the year dot, apparently. Uh, tell us about the white overalls and, and the way caddies in particular are regarded at Augusta these days. Uh, these days, mate, we're probably the best. Which I mean, we get treated very well everywhere, so it's not sort of putting down anywhere else, but... And Augusta, it's, it's completely first class all the way. We arrive, it's quite funny, one of the funny things about Augusta, you're walking into one of the most sort of famous and prestigious places in the world and you're walking in gym shorts and, a, and an old t-shirt basically um, because you just go straight in and into the caddy area there and whack your overalls on and uh, we've got a locker and a good setup in there and the guy, there's about five or six staff members there that just do anything, bend over backwards for you and uh, most of all the best thing, they've got a, they've got a beer keg in there um, so it's quite um, common or it's very common at the end of every round just sort of go in there and have a beer and watch the, watch the rest of the coverage or watch your mates finish and sort of some very good social times in there. So it's quite fun, uh, certainly a fun aspect right there. So you look forward to your beer at the end of every day. Um, but on, in regards to the overalls, they're actually, um, actually not too bad to wear at all. They're pretty comfortable. I, I was so cold on Sunday, I actually wore a hoodie underneath the overalls all day. And I mean, that's sort of something you'd never do. It's, just, it's normally, you normally steaming hot in there, but uh, it was actually freezing cold here on, on the Saturday. Um, but uh, no, certainly it's one of those places you pinch yourself every time you go back there and you sort of, I, I'm a bit biased being a caddy and a golfer, but I think it's the best sporting event in the world. It's, uh, it's got something about it that I think everyone needs to experience once. Players get the green jacket. What do caddies get? Is there any sort of thing amongst the caddies for caddying, caddying for the successful Masters winner? Um, and not just the Masters in general. The, the, the flag off the 18th, uh, off the 18th um, pin is generally the caddies' uh, trophy. So you'll see caddies unscrewing that or taking it off when they've won on the 18th Green tournament. So it's all about collecting as many flags as you can throughout your career and sort of having them to sort of maybe hang up on the wall at the end of your days. Uh, Sam, none of us will ever, or well, very few of us will ever be able to walk the fairways. Uh, if we've got enough money, we'll be able to walk the outside the ropes. But um, from from your point of view, uh, as you say, it's one of the most amazing places to be. It's 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 a little bit more undulating than we see on TV, isn't it? It's extremely undulating. From when you first get on property, I mean, the, the sort of where the first green, our first tee and 18th green is the high point. The rest of the property just drops very sharply down and down to the left. And I mean, the yet yeah, the the drop and how far the how far down and how far left the tent hole goes needs to be seen to be believed. You can't the T V doesn't do it justice and it goes a mile downhill and just a long way left. So it's uh we went a little bit further left there on Sunday into the bushes which didn't help but um yeah it's it sort of there's a lot of things in that course that you sort of really need to seen to be believed. You said before you've got to switch off and just uh, you and, and uh Cameron become a team because uh, but it would be very hard. I mean, these the, particularly now that crowds are allowed back at golf, they're back at Augusta. I mean, the place is absolutely pumping. Um, it, you must, at some stage, when you're either waiting for another player to play or whatever, or you're standing at a top of green looking back, just uh, yeah, do you have a chance to take it on? Just tell us about uh, the crowd side of things for us. Yeah, uh, the, the the roars at Augusta. I mean, the way it's sort of, it's like, it's sort of maybe the way it's sort of natural empathy, the way it goes down to a big valley type thing. The, I mean, we played the group in front of Tiger the first two rounds there. And, uh, I mean, 
when he makes a birdie or hit a good shot, I mean, the, the hairs in the back of your neck stand up and the roars are deafening and it just sort of rumbles through the place. And I mean, it's one of those cool places that you can hear a roar and you sort of know that it's come from the 13th green or that must have been an eagle or you can sort of understand what each one's going to be. And uh, I mean, the, some of the roars that Cam was getting were pretty solid too. So it certainly, um, you know, it gets you pretty pumped up and, and right into it. But um, it's one of the special things with Augusta. No one in there has their cell phone. You're not allowed to take your cell phone in. So, I mean, there's no one standing there with a phone filming you like they are most, most sporting events. So that's sort of another special aspect to it that I don't think many sporting events can, uh, can claim, have, you know, claim that anymore. So, it's, uh, again, one of the special things about the place. Can you, can you hear individual comments? Um, from, from the crowd, yeah, for sure. Especially when you're in, in amongst them, when you've gone a bit uh, wayward off the tee, you definitely can. But, I mean, it's just all in cam. We never really talk about that. He'll just brush that off and... And go forward, but uh, you get you get the odd giggle every now and then, but then you also get the odd annoying one. But uh, no, they're generally very very well behaved at Augusta. The response uh, to Tiger being back, uh, I mean, uh, that was uh, you might have had an inside information, but it did surprise a lot of us uh, that he was going to play and and try and work, walk the seventy two holes, let alone play well on it. Um, so what was what was the impact uh, around the scene amongst the caddies, the players, when you knew that Tiger was confirmed to play? Oh, it's huge, mate. It's huge. Um, I mean, they say what, one player's not bigger than the game, but I think he might be in in, in golf. I mean, he, he is. He, he's the reason with the the purses and the popularity. I mean, he, he's made golf what it is these last twenty odd years. And I mean, just to do what he did and then to shoot one under that first round and then to play the way he did, it's just it's unbelievable. And I mean, it's it's such a credit to him and the way he works hard. And I mean. Every every single person in the field and on the range, you know, just sort of, yeah, you'd stop and have a look. And I mean, like I said, we played the group in front of them. There's numerous times when Cam stopped and stood still and looked back and watched Tiger. So he's as big a fan as anybody, even though he's competing against the bloke. It's just sort of, you know, he's, he's had that much of an impact on the game. So it's so awesome to see him back and hopefully he can play some more. I think he's planning on playing the rest of the majors this year, maybe a couple more. So hopefully he can because he, he has a huge impact. And you can certainly know when you're at an event if Tiger's there and if he's not, there's a noticeable difference. Sam, I've got to confess to our listeners that um, I sat alongside you in uh, a bar after a race meeting and you said to me, uh, look, watch out for this Cam Smith. Uh, he could well win the players uh, very shortly and you think he might win it, um, Augusta. Why? Why did, I mean, that was, well, that was going back to uh, October last year and it's come to fruition. Yep. Yeah, it has. Um yeah, I mean, he, just, he loves Augusta. You've got to have a really good imagination to play that place. And around the greens is, is just so important there. And his chipping and pitching, I think, is the best in the world. And when he gets hot with the putter like he has been a lot this year, it just sort of goes right up his alley. And I think it's just been his dream to uh, to try and knock off Augusta since he was a little kid. And um, so that's certainly the one we're aiming for. And, we, I mean, we had a red-hot crack at it and maybe just couldn't quite put enough pressure on Scotty there on, on Sunday at the key times. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he just his game's sort of tailor-made for that place. And I mean, he sort of grows an extra leg and gets a big smile on his face when he turns up there. And uh, just he's very comfortable around there. I think that was our fourth top 10 out of the last six, uh, last six attempts. So he's, uh, he's certainly trending the right way. And that's what we're, we're chatting a lot about that the last sort of three or four holes. I was sort of saying to him, you know, it wasn't our, it wasn't our week, wasn't our, it wasn't our year to, to put the jacket on, mate. But I, was just, uh, I said to him several times, I was just sort of count, counting in my head, I was like, how many jackets are we going to have in 10 years, mate? Is it going to be two or three? It's going to be more than one. Just sort of <laughs> trying to make him laugh and put a, put a, make him laugh and put a smile back on his face. And, and it worked. We're, we're having a good giggle by the time we went down the 15th because the 13th and 14th was pretty tough after what we dealt with on 12. And that's just, uh, you know, just for someone like him. And that's his dream and just sort of taken away. And one shot really was the, uh, really brought us undone. 
But, uh, I mean, that's a credit to the kid. He put a smile back on his face and birdies 15, 16, and then, uh, you know, walks up 18, clapping Scotty as he walked past onto the green. That's just a sign of true class. And, uh, yeah, really, you know, put him strong, you know, strong, strong position for next year when we go back to go with, you know, good memories and try and put that, uh, that round behind us. So uh, just take us through 12. You walk off the 11th. Uh, you go to 12, which is just surrounded by people behind the TV. Uh, you have a chat. Uh, I mean, everyone knows it's been a crucial hole. I mean, I think it, it got Tiger a couple of years ago as well. Uh, I mean, it's got a lot yep. of play, players over the years, whether they hit it big and they have that downhill chip out of the bush or they hit a bunker. Yep. Or the other thing, of course, is to hit the water. So tell us, just tell us through, through that moment as you, and, and as you saw the ball in the air. Uh, I mean, the birdie on 11 was huge. Um, we, I mean, and then Scotty hold a great path up from about 10, 12, uh, 10 or 12 feet there. I mean, we, we charged up that hill to 12. We were pretty pumped. And uh, sort of, you know, thinking this is the time. And uh, we couldn't have had a better number. It was 137 metres to cover the water or to cover the front edge of the, to the edge of the green over the, with the pin and line and 144 to the hole. Our 9-9 goes 142. And there's basically no wind. So it couldn't have been a better club. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, just um, he was aiming about 15 feet left. I got some good advice from Steve Williams the night before via a text message to aim well left of the pin on 12. Middle of the green is perfect. And um, so we were aiming there. Then just at an unfortunate time, just made the worst swing of the week, basically. And, uh, and yeah, the ball was uh, pretty much going in the water from the moment it left the club. And you can see from Cam's reaction, he's pretty disappointed. But uh, just, a, just a bad swing at the wrong time and in the worst place possible, really. So, it, it, I mean, it happens. We... Had uh, you go back a month ago to the 17th at Sawgrass and he made a great swing with a wedge and had two feet on one of the other tough path threes in the world. So swings and roundabouts, mate, ups and downs, but uh, we'll learn from it and be better. Well, he could, I mean, it could have busted him, but it didn't, and he held on there for third. Now, <clears throat> I've got to be saying to you, um, Sam Pinfold, when Cameron Smith obviously does well, you do pretty well, we all know that. Um, yep. I know you're a punter and you, you, you don't mind the GG, so um, uh, you, you've had a heck of a year. Mate, you might be what well, yeah. you might be at uh, Karaka at some point. Just uh, instead of you might be buying some. Oh, I don't know. I just uh, just brought in some shares with uh, John Obina down there in uh, Wellington. Lasers brought another couple with him that he brought up in Karaka. So just just small shares, mate. Just checking along. Um, but yeah, so I probably should start buying uh, houses and property rather than uh, horses. But uh, <laughs> we all know how much the uh, thrill of having a horse is. But just, just little shares can't hurt too bad, you know. So I, I really enjoy it, mate. I still follow it very strongly from over here. And, uh, yeah, look forward to getting back and getting back on course at some places in New Zealand. So uh, you, when you come home, you play a lot of golf, you go to a few race meetings, mate. Is that your downtime? That is my downtime. That's basically all I did when I came home last time, mate. So it's uh, certainly it's what I enjoy. Uh, i got a good bunch of boys there in Parapuram. We play a lot of golf. And uh, then it's generally followed by heading to the local pub and having a bit of a punt and then uh, nipping off up to Hastings, a punter of the year, where we ran into each other, then, uh, yeah, I'd like to get up to Ellerslie as much as possible, too. I think it's great up there. So hopefully when they're all the, the changes they do there, the next sort of 18 months, I'm looking forward to getting back there as well. You guys have got on the, back on the horse pretty quickly. What, you're in South Carolina uh, starting tomorrow with the yeah. Heritage Classic. Uh, how, how's uh, Cam feeling about that? Uh, good, mate. He drove straight home on uh, Sunday night to Florida. That was always the plan. He's got his dad and a few mates over here. So they went fishing on Monday. Uh, basically turned off the phone and shut off from the world for a day and uh, we drove back up last night. We played the Pro-Am this afternoon and, yeah, ready to go tomorrow afternoon. We know this course very well, so the, the preparation is obviously a lot shorter and a lot quicker, but it's what you need after, you know, such a such a heavy sort of week of uh, the stress and everything going on there and had a lot of media and a lot of commitments after hours too. So it's a nice place to come and, and sort of kick back and relax and he, he does like this golf course, so hopefully we can uh, get him fired back up and uh, click in some form tomorrow afternoon.
You've been incredible, mate. Thanks so much for making your, uh, your time available. I know you're a really busy guy and you've got plenty on your plate, but uh, uh, I've been chasing you. I'm so glad I got hold of you this week of all weeks as well, mate, just to reflect on a marvellous performance. And uh, I look forward to catching up to you at the same establishment uh, very shortly and uh, sharing the same product and talking the same stuff, mate. Brilliant. Thanks, thanks so much, Sam. Well, Big fan. Well. Big fan of you and Cam. We yeah. are. Thank you very much, mate. I love the show and love uh, love uh, listening along even from over here. So uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Cheers. Uh, Sam Pinfold there, folks, out of the United States. Uh, how special. What a job um, and what a life. But you've got to work hard. It's not easy. Um, and there's a lot goes on caddies. They get the blame from a, a lot of players in particular. Um, they blame their caddies and caddies come and go. And to sit alongside a bloke for eight years means that is a hell of a special relationship because most times you're dealing under a lot of pressure. Uh, cool. Gee, that was cool. Double eight, double three. You might want a reaction to that if you want to uh, on the text or give us a call on 0800 The other thing to talk about today of all days, because I won't be here tomorrow, Crusaders Blues. How do you think the Crusaders Blues is going to go this weekend? What's your tip? What's the key plays in that? 923 here on SENZ. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 9.28 and uh, our big focus uh, really uh, tonight is on the race, isn't it, to out of Cambridge. It's uh, 8.55pm time to start uh, and uh, everyone at this station is heavily involved uh, and supporting self-assured. Now, self-assured is favourite for the race, uh, but there are other candidates in the race, including one of its stable mates. So uh, I'm actually going to go for Spankham. Spankham is mine, um, and I can't tell you why I'm going for Spankham, and it's no reason to even think like that, uh, but I've just had some information. I've, don't look at me out of like that. Uh, I've got just had some... I've had information, OK? I'll just tell you I've had information. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, okay, uh, hey Smithy, great interview with Sam. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. That's from Mark of Auckland. Um, hi Smithy, uh, Jared coming in. What a cool dude Sam is. I promise you, he is a cool dude. Uh, he mentioned he made Cam smile towards the end of round. I saw that and I thought, what a great caddy after the setback at 12 for Cameron to fight back to third shows the character of the team. Uh, an Anzac one at that, yes, an Australian New Zealand combination. So, gee, we do. Produce some pretty good caddies, don't we? You look at Sam Pinfold. Um, Steve Williams was pretty handy. He made uh, quite a nice living out of it as well, didn't he? Uh, so, yeah, uh, love your, uh, your feedback on uh, that interview with Sam Pinfold, the Masters, uh, hearing a wee bit more about it, the, the contours of it, uh, just the, the idiosyncrasy of caddies turning up in T-shirts and shorts and just chucking the white overalls on because they know that's their uniform for the day. Uh, and loving it, absolutely loving it. Who wouldn't, by the, by the way, who wouldn't it? Uh, Mikey G's coming. Hi, uh, Ian. Looking forward to the game, but my Crusaders should tip them over. Looking forward to the number 10 battle and curious to see how RTS goes because I haven't seen him play yet. A great admiration for Leon McDonald and uh, how his team have uh, turned the Blues around. Uh, haven't we got fantastic coaches in New Zealand Super Rugby? More than can be said in our national team. Mikey G, good on you, boy. Good on you. Okay, it is 9.30 here on SENZ. Uh, time for Arawa and the news usually start somewhere and then they'll go off at, you know, towards the end of their career and, and a lot of good, good clubs will bring them back like Pujols has gone back to St. Louis. From a New Zealand point of view or from a young Australian point of view, Ricky, is the pathway through the college system, is that 
pretty much the only way in, or can you get scouted on what baseball's been played uh, around the world? I mean, do scouts come to Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, absolutely. So um, back in geez, 2004, when I was 18, um, they have what's called the MLB um, Australia Academy program, which um, back when I went, it ran for two months straight. Uh, you go and stay at the the um, uh, Palm Meadows Resort down on the Gold Coast, and they sent all the scouts that are in Australia or in the US down to that camp for the two months. Um, and that's where they send you know the top 100 players from Australia, New Zealand, and even Guam. Um, now you've got scouts that are based all around Australia. We've got a, I used to scout for the Cincinnati Reds here in New Zealand. Um, there's a, we've got a scout for um, the Orioles and Dan Tan, and now that we've got the Tuatara as well, those coaches then act as scouts also. So um, signing as a free agent is probably still the, um, the fastest way or the best way for a, 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 you know, a player to, to sign out of Australia and New Zealand, but... College is definitely the preferred path because it gives you four years of of um, grinding experience before going into the professional circuit and getting you know getting burnt out. Two thousand and five, uh, Ricky, you signed for the Padres, so uh, you started your baseball uh, life in uh, the San Diego era uh, area, of course. So, mm-hmm. um, just tell us about the day you fronted up there, and and uh, you know basically a realization of a dream for a young kid coming from this side of the world. So tell tell us about your impressions of, of the Padres setup, etc. Um, my impressions, it's it, it just back in my time, it was a lot different. So I've I've had the the experience, or the, the I've been lucky enough to stay in the game um, post my career. So um, the way it was when I was younger is you you get there. Um, you get to the field and it's militant. It's, you know, you bust your butt from 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. at the field through spring training trying to make a team. Um, and, you know, it, it it's almost overwhelming when you come come from, from down under because you don't play baseball every day. You, you, you train twice a week and you play once on the weekends. And then you get there and you don't have a day off for 27 days. So it was pretty... Um, it was pretty crazy, and I mean, you'll love this. I actually missed the first two days of my spring training because of uh, jet lag. I slept through my alarm for the first day and didn't make it at all. And then um, the second day, I, they changed the um, the bus timetables, and I'd missed that as well. So I got there pretty late and ran out in the field when all 100 um, and and 20 odd uh, minor league players were in a huddle with the coaches. I I go running out at that particular time, so um, yeah, I got chewed out in front of everyone, which was quite funny. <laughs> Mate, uh, do you have a team now? You have an absolute standout must-win team. Uh, I don't, and it's because I've become a baseball fan as opposed to a team fan. So I grew up supporting the Braves because Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, um, Johnny Rocco, all those guys, those pitchers, those are my idols. So um, the Braves, or now the the Guardians, I think it is. Um, that that was my team. No, sorry, not the Guardians, the Braves. Um, but. Now it's, you know, oh, when the Padres are playing someone I, I don't care for, then I'm going for the Padres. When the Braves are playing someone I'm, I'm not supporting, I go for the, the Braves. But um, ultimately, I'm more focused on particular players and how they're doing and, and particular games and how, um, how much fun they are to watch, really. Baseball in New Zealand. Um, of course, uh, we have the Auckland Tuatara. That's our flagship team over here, uh, part of the Australian yep. League as well. So... Tell us about how baseball is uh, flourishing in New Zealand. Yeah, well, it's 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 come a long way in you know in a short amount of time, which is awesome. I mean, we've got 
the greatest softball players in the world. So it just makes sense for baseball to to take off because, you know, while softball's an amazing game on its own, it just doesn't have those pathways for for our young men. Um, you know, it, it would be like if Stephen Adams played played netball instead of instead of basketball kind of thing. And, and you know, it's not to talk down of any sport because I love all sports just just as much. But um, yeah, it's it's about getting those boys those opportunities. And and you know, if it doesn't work out for them, then they can pop back. But yeah, baseball baseball's huge in Australia, and it's it's getting bigger here. And we just need to to get out of this pandemic so we can we can run this ABL season again. So the numbers are there. I mean, the players coming through are there. I mean, I'll give you an example. For example, we're perceived as a summer sport, softball, baseball, perceived as mm-hmm. a summer sport, up against cricket. Cricket numbers are, um, are not good. In a lot of areas, cricket numbers um, are falling away. That used to be our go-to sport. I mean, I can remember when softball was really strong with the BD Cup and all those particular tournaments. Mm-hmm. So where does baseball fix into that, fit into that summer mix now for kids? Um, it's still quite small, but what I've what I've noticed over the past kind of five to ten years is, I mean, it, you, you go into marketing and and you're marketing to short attention spans. So the same goes for sports. So you know, a sport like cricket, which you can play for for five days or over the course of an entire day, the appeal's not there for the younger generation because they've they've got this this quick fix for dopamine in their phones and their their gaming and their social media. So I think that's where it, Cricket kind of gets hurt, and softball and baseball will kind of, kind of take the their stride. So um, you're an interesting candidate because uh, you know uh, you're in a position where, uh, from a pitching point of view, uh, of course, uh, you might just play only uh, if you're in a major league baseball setup. You might just play one game every four or five. So, uh, what's life mm-hmm. as a pitcher like as opposed to say a first base or a shortstop, whoever might like, out of those one sixty two games might if they stay fit play upwards of 150 of them, whereas a pitcher might play, I'm guessing, around about uh, 30 games at the most until until the World Series or the playoffs? Yeah, it's very different. Um, I was lucky. I was a closer, so I'd, I'd play, you know, majority of the games I'd come in and I'd throw, you know, hopefully 10 to 15 pitches at the end of the game, and I'd do that um, daily with maybe, you know, two days on, one day off kind of, kind of thing. But, um, you know, the pitcher's life is more about... You know, condition, prepare, practice through those four days on the rotation and then, you know, pitch on your fifth day. And there's a lot of time spent watching baseball as opposed to being in there playing it. So it, it can be quite grueling. And um, I've, I had a couple of issues through my, my first season where I was falling asleep in the in the, um, in the the bullpen and having water bottles and, and stuff thrown at me by coaches. So, uh, yeah, it can, it can get quite... Um, quite long and tedious but you know that's that's what you're there for and you become the the star of the show once you're on that mound so um you know it kind of equals itself out uh i just i just uh gotta ask you i know you haven't gotten a favorite team but would you have uh, a team at, at this early stage um uh one or two teams you think might be heading towards playoffs uh world series just looking on personnel in particular as well yeah, yeah, I'd um, I'd be pretty keen to to keep an eye on on LA. LA is always going to be strong, um, but then, you know, Braves as well to back up a, a, a World Series. It'd be nice. So they'll be doing everything that they can, and obviously going off that momentum. But um, yeah, I've always been actually, and the Yankees. As much as I hate to say it, um, you know, they're always always a team that you can see contending at the end of the season. That's a hell of a rivalry, isn't it? The Yankees and the Red Sox. 
Oh, isn't it? Isn't it? And that's a beautiful thing about baseball is there's so many of these rivalries. Um, the fans get into it. They they take it personally. Um, you know, a, a game can be different for, for you as a player if you're on the road compared to home so much so that it actually plays plays in effect as to how well you can play. So, um, yeah, it's it's amazing. And, I mean, anybody that ever goes to America, I suggest you go to a baseball game, even if you don't like the game, just to, just to experience the atmosphere and, and how much the fans get into it. Been there, done that, absolutely loved it, Ricky. It was yeah. a hell of a night out for me. Uh, th- thanks for your time, buddy, this morning. Uh, great to get a little bit of an insight into uh, your career, uh, Major League Baseball and absolutely. Baseball in New Zealand. Th- thanks thanks so much. Uh, I appreciated it. I appreciate you having me. Thanks. Cheers, Ricky Piwai there, folks. Uh, of course, he's been uh, lucky enough to, to get a decent old taste of American baseball, um, something that uh, only a lot of people can dream of. But uh, the way it fills up our screens and heads towards that famed World Series um, is something quite special. If you love the game and if you don't, watch a few games. You might turn out to do that. 9.45 here on SENZ. Voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2. Yeah, they're racing at Wyndham today and uh, we have a harness uh, racing interest today for Women's Refuge. We've only got 178 bucks in the bin, so we need to go a little bit better. So today I hope that we will race seven at Wyndham today, the kindergarten stakes. Number one, don't stop dreaming. Don't stop dreaming. Classy horse, great draw, excellent trials, top stable, looks the one for us. So on behalf of Women's Refuge, we hope uh, that uh, don't stop dreaming comes in uh, in our harness racing pacing for purpose horse this week. Uh, hey, Smithy, uh, Ricky Piwai, uh, you just had on for an interview. Is he any relation to the great Louis Piwai? I'll try and find out for you. I'll, I'll try and, and dig a deep, uh, bit deeper. In fact, I can see producer Logan Swinkles is on the laptop straight away, so we might have an answer for you sooner rather than later. Uh, Smithy, re cricket numbers. My son, 15, played the last 10 summers with one club. This summer, no team uh, at, the, at his club. Incredibly, no team after after 10 summers, no team to play at. So I went to other clubs, no room for him. No room for him playing cricket, no room at other clubs. Stephen, uh, this is starting to sound a little bit unbelievable to me, and maybe it's an issue, a big issue. Tried even a club in counties. A, a club in counties had counties administration looking for me, nothing. So he missed a full summer. No wonder numbers are, numbers are down. Stephen, I find that greatly concerning. Um, I really do, that there was no cricket anywhere available for uh, your boy to play. And uh, maybe that is uh, something that uh, people at the, the grassroots level look, made it to, to really take a, a, a deeper look at. I had no idea. I, I, I thought they were crying out for players. There you go, mate. I, I thought they were absolutely crying out for, for players. Uh, Dale says, remember Murdoch Pieway uh, out of Hawke's Bay, a great player in the day. Well, um, I'm not quite sure about the relationship tie-up there. We'll work on it. Uh, we shall certainly work on it. Uh, Jono's coming, uh, Jono from Auckland uh, he said what a great Kiwi lad that is great stuff Smith then talking about Sam Finfold, gee I love that chat um, and uh, I could just yeah, um, I watch the Masters, I mean we all watch a lot of sport on TV, when I watch the Masters I mean I watch the Masters, I watch detail and I saw that and, and I, when they were walking up the 18th and um, Cam Smith's chance is gone Sam Finfold and he are just standing there and they're way ahead, way ahead of Scotty Scheffler uh, in terms of the fairway they stopped about 100 metres short of the green and let Scotty Scheffler and his caddy go through and absorb the moment by themselves. It was their time 
and uh, he didn't want to share it or divide it or what have you. Uh, and that was, uh, it's been a, a gesture that's been kindly remarked upon um, in a number of areas. Uh, and you could see it. And you could see them stop, deliberately stop and let him go past to have his moment. Special times, absolutely special. And um, another example, what a cool combo they are. Uh, Cam Smith and Sam Pinfold. 9.53 here on SENZ, a multi coming up before 10 o'clock. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Some better news from yesterday. Not complete just yet, but better news. Uh, Phoenix to beat Perth Glory. Did. Uh, Atlanta Hawks to beat Charlotte. Playing shortly. Uh, Rublev to beat uh, Alex Deminor. Yes, did at $1.27. So we're still alive with yesterday's one. So I've incorporated into the weekend one the Atlanta Hawks again. Uh, so they're to beat Charlotte at a slightly reduced price of $1.43. So the Hawks to beat Charlotte, $1.43. Uh, the Canberra Raiders to beat the Cowboys. That's uh, a game coming in tonight at a buck fifty-seven. I'm going to take the Crusaders to beat the Blues. Sorry, Blues fans, but I'm taking the Crusaders to beat the Blues. Home advantage, I think, uh, probably will tip it in their favour. A buck fifty-five there, and my Spurs, my Tottenham Hotspur, to beat Brighton over the weekend at a buck fifty. So that's five twenty-two. Incidentally, we will have Ricardo Ball after eleven o'clock with all things football, as we like to do um, every now and then, because once we talk to Ricardo, we're all better informed. It's as simple as that. Uh, And after the break, of course, uh, we shall be going straight into this Crusaders camp. And to the top of it, one of the most popular, according to Mount Rushmore, one of the most popular men to ever play or coach the Crusaders, Scott Razor Robertson, straight after 10 o'clock. So uh, we shall take a news break with Araha, and uh, then we'll get stuck into a bit of rugger coming up over the weekend. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's in there somewhere. And it's going to be a scrum, but it won't be. It'll be full time. It is full time. It is full time. And maybe a controversial finish to the game. But they'll just have to shake hands and move on. Yep, shake hands and, and move on. That was uh, what Grant Nisper had to say, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, and we move on to this weekend for uh, a mouthwatering clash between the Crusaders and the Blues. They square off in Christchurch uh, tomorrow night, being Good Friday. Uh, both sides on 27 points. Uh, only the Brumbies are ahead on 31, but they've played one extra game. Uh, so this top billing comes at the right time too because uh, we're only a week away from Uh, our franchises uh, joining up with the Australian ones as well. So exciting time for rugby now that uh, it seems to have a bit of a flow on. uh, Not too many interjections, not too many hiccups around the squad. Uh, Really pleased and and so happy that he's found a bit of time for us this morning to uh, introduce Scott Razor-Robertson, of course head coach for the Crusaders, immensely successful over the years. Scotty, thanks very much for your time. And uh, uh, can I just... Can I just take you back to uh, when they opted last week, the Hurricanes, you were looking down from upstairs there. Uh, when the Hurricanes opted to kick for the corner, what were you thinking at the time then? 
Hey, Smithy. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm just driving into Kipman's Run, so I've got you on um, the old hands-free. Oh, what I was thinking, Jordy was going to check out my gun to Golden Point, so we're planning for that. But uh, we'd also uh, realised that our defensive moor work um, is pretty pretty decent over the years, so we thought if they're going to go for the corner, they're going to be pretty good. But we trusted Scooter to get up in the air and have a crack in the air and uh, got a call go our way. You're good. Um, and so you got the points there, uh, which moves you on to uh, this week. Uh, and I don't know about you, mate, but yeah. I always when I, I look at the calendar and I look at the Crusaders and the Blues, it's a date <laughs> on the calendar. I put a, I put a ring around that. Is it, is it the same for you? Because uh, especially at the moment, there seems to be just a little bit more on this one. Uh, yeah, for sure. Oh, look, there's rivalries in every sport, and, you know, it's just a healthy thing. It's a different game. It's just a, it's more than just a, a normal week's game. The history that comes with it, the, the folklore, the, the, the head-to-heads, the, everything that comes with it. You know, the crowd come along, they know. Mate, it's Auckland. It's Auckland Crosshurst Blues um, against the South Island, and, and um, that's what we love about it. And, and that's a part of the motivation, the mindsets for the week, just like they'll be having as well. And, you know, it's going to be a historic match tomorrow night. We love playing in them. Scotty, uh, you know, in the years gone by, probably for 80 years, you would ask a rugby coach, uh, where will this game be won? And they would all say it'll be won up front. Uh, but the game's changed. I mean, there are certain areas of the game where um, you just have to win that as well. Where, where as you look down from um, your vantage point tomorrow night, where are the signs will be that you're winning the game? Uh, it's normally pretty clear in these battles here. Breakdown's pretty... Um Pretty important, you know. Like that, there's a majority of the the calls made by the ref, you know, or penalties given around the breakdown. So your ability to be really physical, but also be disciplined. Um, they're good at it. They fight the rock. They're really competitive. They're robust. It's a it's a great um it's a great battle there. Uh, and also, probably your leadership stuff around how you make the calls when you do it. Your game management of when you haven't won moments, when you have won moments, and what's your next call. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit like test footy in a lot of ways. Um, those moments that you get, you've got to win. You've got, and let's look at the loose forward area then, uh, shall we? Um, you, you've named uh, Cullen Grace, Ethan Blackadder, Tom Christie. They have named Hoskins Satutu, Dalton Papali'i, and Tom Robinson. I, I don't see a lot uh, between those uh, I'd like to, to hear your thoughts on Tom Christie, though. Probably the lowest profile of all those players. Might be not in your eyes, but, man, what a season he's having. And I'm not sure he plays a bad game, Tom Christie. Oh, he's hugely consistent. Um, he's extremely fit and, you know, a hell of a matchup across the board in a lot of positions. Um, Tom Tom is, is a, a work rate, Lucy. Uh, high tackle count, high running metres, uh, Great off the ball, you know. When when, when you see all his stats when you finish the game, you know that he's extremely fit and just learning his craft. You got to remember, he came off a whole season last year um, that he hardly played. He played three games, four games, probably the form Lucy dislocated um, his shoulders, come back from that, you know, finding that form again. Um, look, he's great around the breakdown. That's probably back where his expertise lies. So, you know, it's another another game, probably another step up for him tomorrow night with. Uh, um, the intensity that these games have.
I, I, I like the work rate last week of Cullen Grace. Thought he got heavily involved. Ethan Blackadder always does. Yeah. And the, the matchup, uh, those those matchups uh, with Satutu, uh, you know, who's got a hell of a reputation. Uh, Tom Robinson. I look at Robinson. I look at Blackadder, and I think, man, both pretty much the same. They're rugged, <laughs> raw-boned, indivi- rugged, raw-boned individuals. Yeah, you're right. Um, bit of old school about them, isn't it? They're technically probably not um, technically not as um, efficient in a lot of areas, but they get the job done. They win contacts. They they pest the menaces around the breakdown. Um, they don't seem to have an off button um, and push the limits. Oh, what, the great thing about Cullen, probably like uh, Tom, you know, he, last year he popped his uh, clavicle, and a, which is a, a, an injury you know. I think there's only been one other ever they've found in the record history around his his, his clavicle. Normally, um, you normally pop it out, but his went in, and it's in a car accident, like a seatbelt injury that. So his went in and looked in a massive tackle for pre-season for Canterbury. And that took six to eight months to come right. So for him to find form after the, you know, he was benching, he could only lift a bar when he first came back to bench press the bar. Now he's, you know, benching back up to what, so 140, he's worked to a level where his confidence that he can win collisions. And that's the thing about Cullen Grace is he has got a heavy, heavy shoulder. When you When he gets hit, it's a and his people. It's a beautiful thing, and his confidence come back. So, him and Hosking is a great matchup. I also um, and like everyone, I'm looking forward to the matchup at the tens, uh, providing either side gets some quality ball. It's going to be interesting to see how it's used. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm talking here about Richie Moonga, of course, and Bowden Barrett. Where, where's Richie at? How do you feel his game is at at the moment? Um, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, if we can get a bit of a roll on and some quick ball, uh, you know, those boys can can play. Otherwise, you know, they're being tactical and putting you in the corner or putting contestable kicks up. Um, yeah, but both international teams, both quality. Uh, you know, Richie's built into a season. Obviously, um, he had a bit of a later start. Made his front of when he's needed to. Um, you know, the last two years, Previous, he's been Crusader Pro of the Year, and you can see glimpses of it. So he's building as it goes along. Um, so we're really pleased where he's at. Um, and you look at Bowden, um, that class, and we know they both can have those little touches on the game that can make a difference. So we expect that that matchup to um, to bring every everything we, we it should do uh, in this quality match. What about uh, a welcome home present for Luke Romano? Have you got one of those in line? <laughs> he knows his way around the field pretty well, doesn't he? Um, he's got that old craft. <laughs> he's still knows what he's doing in that breakdown. He's lying on top of here and he's put his hands on the ball and he, he's got even a little bit of a trick. And oh, look, we're, we're really pleased for him. Oh, oh, look, you'd love to keep your players forever and you'd love to send them back in 200 games like Rock Crockett did and him without a championship, but he got an opportunity up there, and um, he's obviously left his mark with all his knowledge and expertise, so um, you know, you're welcome him back with, with um, a respectful performance by, by playing well and treating him as if he's got a blue jersey on. Okay, right, uh, the prospect too, in, um, in a week's time of uh, some different opposition, I, you know, it's nice to play mate against mate, and the competition is fantastic, but it's also... Yeah. Nice to test yourself uh, from the Australian franchise as well. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to yeah. that. I imagine the old trip away, the good old days are coming back uh, by the sounds of things, Scotty. Uh, something to look forward to for you? Yeah, mate. Uh, it's a great quote. It says, never let your mate down, never let your state down, which we use. And um, it's great when you get Aussie. We, we, it's time, you know, the ability to play different teams. You, when you're at Leichhardt one week, Amy Stadium, you, you just... You see the NRL and you see their games and, you know, the, that inspires our boys because you can only go and play your neighbour in the backyard so many times and to have a, a different feel. We're on tour for three and a half weeks. You know, that's old school, isn't it? How good is that? Yeah. Um, g'day. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Sorry, just coming to the ground. So we're looking to get on tour. You know, we've been... Um, we've been... We've been um, down up here in New Zealand, you know, and now the door, the, yeah, yeah. the frontier's open, we're ready to go. Yeah. And just, I know you're, you've arrived at the ground, which is cool, and uh, they've got you to put your hazard lights yeah. on, but that, that reminds me of something, because, uh, of course, we're, we're in... Yeah. Hey, hey mate, we're, we're in orange now, which means uh, the crowds can really start to turn up, and one of my favourite sights before any game down there is you walking along in front of that. What uh, those crowds in that stand that you, you watch from? Where do you get the buzz out of that, mate? Oh, I think I think it comes from a plan days. Like I, I, I enjoy the energy. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm a big energy coach, and look, I'm obviously got an optimistic attitude to, to life and, and enjoy it. I, I, you know, like one day I'm not going to, so I want to make sure that the times I get, I do enjoy it. The crowd come along with it. We connect with them. Um, they get an experience. It's an entertainment business we're in. Um, it's a it's a high performance as well, and my I just love connecting with the crowd and, and making sure they understand that they were real and we're there to have fun like they are. So you know when we get our beautiful little stadium filled up, it's um, it's special for our boys and, and special for them. Uh, just just very very finally, I know you've got to uh, go, Razor. We did a poll during yeah. the week on the top four uh, most influential. Um, uh, Crusaders over the term of the franchise. You rank very, very highly, I've got to say. Some people picked you at number one because of your contribution playing and coaching, of course. Uh, but I, I reckon you're second to Mr. to Braden and Caroline Whitelock, um, mum and dad who produced four <laughs> sons that have played 358 games for the Crusaders. So I think they're up there alongside you. Oh, look, my favourite... Everyone goes, who's your favourite Whitelock? You know, you've coached all of them, and, I, and definitely Caroline... To their dismay, oh, look, what a lady. Um, obviously, how many meals she's dished up over the years. There's a lot of plates, um, full plates, isn't it? And oh, they're wonderful people. Like the White Locks, just, just the quality. They're immense homo sapiens. They're absolutely, the leadership, the quality, the humbleness, and the work ethic is just incredible. Great characters. I'd just like to mention Wayne Smith. Um, you know, we were last, the OG, I was an original Crusader, last in the first year. Wayne Smith turns up 97, 98, 99, 2000. We started off the back of um, being the best defensive side, and now, we're, you know, we're great both sides of the ball. But what he established is what I use in my coaching still today. All A lot of the values he set, the behaviours um, and the mindset. So for me, it's Wayne Smith. Um, probably side by side with Carolyn Whitelock. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Scotty, hey, yeah. I know you're busy. Hey, thanks so much for your time this morning, uh, brother. Well, I'm coming down tomorrow. I cannot wait. I've been looking forward to this evening for a long, long time. Uh, I hope it goes well for you and look forward to catching up tomorrow. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Thanks, buddy. See you then. Yeah, cheers. Uh, 10.17 here on SENZ. Scott Razor-Robertson, eh? What a man. Um, and what a franchise. And what about those values of Wayne Smith coming through and his coaching as well? His favourite uh, and major contributor to the Crusaders franchise over the year. Interesting. Uh, 10.17, yeah, as I said. And we've got a panel coming up here uh, on SENZ very shortly. Uh, across both teams, uh, both any time you get Bowden Barrett up against Richie Mwonga in a rugby match, uh, you get pretty excited about that. But then uh, a lot of very, very good players, arguably, um, you know, a, a good mix of the best players in the country across both teams. So very excited for this one. Obviously, equal, what are they, on 27 points or something like that. Uh, supposedly second equal on the table. I think we'd, we'd all say that they're probably the two best teams across Super Rugby Pacific. So, yeah, can't wait. Uh, finally, we have a game that, that uh, I think will interest everyone uh, when it comes to rugby because it's been a long time coming. It's been a competition that I think has meandered along a little bit. It's been hard to figure out where the competition's been at from week to week, who's playing who, what the hell's going on. Uh, finally, we can get a bit, little bit of normality in, into Super Rugby. And, and uh, yeah, as I say. And Guy, um, just on, on another matter then, uh, does that reflect in the uh, the viewer numbers? Uh, because I, I, I was interested to hear a report last night where they have been declining at quite a rate. Yeah, I think they have. Um, I saw Sav's story on, on One News last night saying that, um, you know, numbers have, have dwindled to almost just above 100,000, whereas they used to be averaging about 180, 190,000 for for the big games in the weekend. So that's got to be a concern. I I put it down to to numerous things, really. I think, as I say, the competition's been hard to follow. Uh, A a little bit of it is out of New Zealand rugby's hands or super rugby's hands in general in terms of COVID, people not being able to go to grounds for a while, games having to be rescheduled, all that sort of thing. But at the same time, I think rugby's, in this part of the world anyway, in a little bit of trouble. I think the game is hard to understand for people who don't watch it religiously. I mean, you flick over to the NRL. uh, Rugby league is easy to get. It's easy to watch. It's easy to understand. You don't have to try and figure out what on earth is going on in the rucks, what what the referees come up with in terms of a a decision. Half the time in rugby, you're scratching your head trying to figure out whether a referee is right or wrong. I think that's that's difficult. Um, And we've just got too much rugby. And then on top of that... uh, Still, you have your best players being rested on occasions. Um, when you know you look at rugby league, you look at any of the top sports around the world, and the guys and girls are playing consistently on, on a very, very regular basis. You don't get them being rested because there's a World Cup in over a year's time. I think that takes away from the product as well. So, yeah, we are seeing numbers dwindling, uh, and I think there are a number of reasons for that that, that rugby needs to figure out. All those positive things that you've just said about rugby league, we just have to get Sam Ackerman up off the floor because uh, he's so <laughs> surprised. <laughs> Sam, good Sam, good morning to you. Um, yeah, have you heard anything about Super Rugby numbers, or would would you be surprised if viewership was down on on rugby? Wouldn't be surprised if viewership's down uh, across sports. So good morning to you, Smithy and, uh, and Guy. And look, uh, first of all, not surprised at all. Guy's just figured out what I've known for 20 years. But it's, it's cool. It's the welcome board. Um, you know, it, 
takes some people longer to um, soak it in than others, but I get it. It's all good. Uh, the the fact the fact <laughs> of the matter is that there are so many other options in life now than there has been to watch rugby. And what happened with COVID is, is broken all of our habits, be that viewing habits, be that attendance habits. Yep. Whatever, you, whatever we used to do religiously, we don't do religiously anymore. With that, we came opportunity for a breath of air. Uh, we found ourselves uh, craving something that we weren't already doing, like you know the things that you kind of got jolted out of your comfort zone. So I think rugby is really suffering uh, from that because it's not the appointment viewing that it once was. Um, so they need to find their ground with that. I, I think perhaps it's uh, regular TV shows and, and things like the news and Shorten Street and a lot of things have gone through those same cycles where things aren't appointment viewing anymore because people don't balance their lives around being in front of a box for a game. You can catch what you want, when you want at different points. So it's a completely different world and rugby is uh, starting to bear the brunt of that. But the product um, could be better and I think that we're all a bit sick of how Super Rugby is running at the moment. I think fair to say uh, we may end up being uh, end up missing the South Africans more than uh, we thought as well um, down the track as well. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens to Super Rugby as we get into actually playing the Australians and there's a bit more to it. Whether people buy in, but traditionally they clock off when that's the case because of the usual overrun but the quality of the NRL is pretty solid right now uh, has been for a while and yeah it's a simple game to play it's because it's a better game okay uh, <laughs> fair enough uh, we'll, we'll take we'll, we'll take that on board Sam and uh, you made a good point there that the times they are a changing which means you've got to be very careful what you say or what microphones pick up saying and uh, uh, Marcello Montoya found Marcello Montoya found that out to the tune of uh uh, four weeks. Was that fair for you? Uh, yep. Uh, you got to throw the book at that. It's um, if you can't, you can't uh, allow any form of heat of the moment uh, crap as an excuse anymore. That all that's gone right out the window. Players are given inclusivity training. They're, they're told about the importance of diversity. If they haven't worked that out in society itself, uh, I, I don't think that this makes. Um, suddenly we should be painting this guy out to be a homophobe. Uh, you know, Marcelo Montoya has come forward and very, it appears to me at least, very genuinely apologised. Um, so people make mistakes. Happens all the time. He's got to cop what he's got. Uh, but I think four weeks is uh, is perfectly acceptable uh, for this because if, if you don't react to it, if you just kind of let it slide with a, a slap on the wrist, then what message does that send uh, in the sport where you're uh, competing for eyeballs, attention, and, and you say you're inclusive? Uh, you can't then let that slip. So, yep, it's a shame for the guys, it's a shame for the Warriors, uh, but I'm I'm more than comfortable with that with that treatment. And uh, Guy Havelt, uh, it's just not a warning to league players, is it? Because there are microphones in all sport these days. Well, and, and it's not just a, a warning to sports people either. I think it's a warning to, to everyone in general that this in, in this day and age in society, uh, and it should have been like this for a long time, but, you know, it's just not acceptable. Look, I... I, I have to give some some credit to Marcelo Montoya. Uh, I think the way that that, uh, and I, I I genuinely believe that he is a hundred percent truthful when he says that he is so remorseful and that he wishes that he didn't say what he said and he'll take he he's cop he's cop the suspension on the chin. Uh, the Warriors say that he wanted to front up straight away and I believe that as well because if you remember back to when Reese Walsh went through the cocaine scandal, he fronted up. I think it was pretty much the next day. Uh, so I believe that. Look, I, 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 well, I don't feel sorry for the guy. I think the comment that he made was was unacceptable. But he's he's copying it, and, and good on him in that regard. Uh, he'll learn a harsh lesson, a lesson that, that needs to be learnt. Uh, but as I say, good on him for for taking it on the chin, taking the four weeks. 
uh, and fronting up and, and owning what he did. 10.30 here on SENZ. We're in the middle of the panel. We'll take a short break for the news, and when we come back, uh, more league, more rugby, more other issues here. Here's uh, Arawa. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Guy Havelt with us this morning. Sam Ackerman with us this morning. Sam Ackerman, uh, do you like the look of the Warriors side? Looks like continuity in the halves in particular. Can they go four in a row against the Roosters this weekend? I wouldn't rule it out, but it's going to be pretty difficult. Uh, the, the Roosters are a team that are rebounding. They're finding a bit of form. It hasn't been a, uh, a classic uh, season for the Roosters so far, but I, if you look across their team on paper, they are, they're guns. They've got weapons in, uh, in all the right places, but I think that this is a team that the, uh, the Warriors need to be at their peak to be able to compete with, uh, and I think they're capable of achieving it. They weren't that way inclined uh, last week on the slider, so a great result, and they've shown the result to win a good point because we know how often uh, Warriors seasons have been, uh, been lamented for losing those close games, so you've got to give them the win uh, where it's due. They, they got up against the Cowboys, but you know, the Roosters should be, in my opinion, a uh, different kettle. But there's a couple of clashes that you can really look forward to. I think that everybody Hargreaves up against Adam Fanua Blake is one that I would pay personal speed against me just on that alone. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased with the development of some of these players. And return of Dylan Wachinius-Ozniak uh, as well on, on the wing, that's very, very timely uh, with Montoya's absence. Uh, let's get uh, across the guy who felt, uh, Guy, it hasn't quite been done to death, but there's been a lot uh, being said about the absence of uh, Glenn Moore, uh, a reaffirmed coach of the Black Ferns. Uh, were you surprised that uh, NZR didn't front up uh, with, with Glenn Moore at, at uh, one or two of those press conferences? Uh, big time. Yeah, a- absolutely. I think there are a lot of questions for Glenn Moore to answer about what has happened uh, inside the Black Ferns, what's come out of that review. It was pretty scathing uh, across a number of areas. Uh, around New Zealand rugby, uh, around the culture inside the Black Ferns, and uh, who who dictates or, or largely leads that culture? It's the coach, isn't it? So, of course, he has some questions to answer. Very surprised that he wasn't there. Uh, I understand he 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 uh, got his own PR company to, to kind of handle this stuff. Uh, still waiting to hear from him, obviously. Look, I, I, I was surprised he, he kept his job after reading what was in that review. Um, pretty scathing of, of what was going on in the Black Ferns. Obviously, the results haven't been great now for a wee while either. Um, and so I, I, st- I st- kind of scratch my head a little bit and try and figure out why why they've kept him and, and, and what they see in him. Uh, I know they've brought in some other reinforcements, um, but at, at the same time, uh, and Wayne Smith and, and Graham Hempster, Graham Henry, obviously, but... Um, you know, you, you've got to look at what's been there in the past. It hasn't worked, clearly, both on and off the field. Uh, and so I'm very, very surprised that A, he didn't front up, and B, he's still there. Uh, the other thing that has come to light, and it, it was interesting yesterday uh, from, uh, I can't remember who said it, uh, but someone said it anyway uh, on this show. Uh, Sam was that why is it every time we get in trouble, uh, we just go 0800 dial Wayne Smith. Uh, why is it always we go to Wayne Smith and now we 0800 Sir Graham Henry all of a sudden? Uh, because we're we're going back to uh, and I think it was Dean from Dunedin calling and so we're going back almost to dinosaur type territory every time to fix this problem in rugby. Well, the problem is is that traditionally they've fixed 
Um, so when when that band-aid doesn't work, it'll no longer be used. But uh, the, the forward thinking of bringing in fresh faces, uh, new voices, I mean, look, we only have to look at uh, how you know, someone like Scott Robinson's could be being forced to bide his time when he seems to be on the uh, the, the crest of, of momentum as uh, his career. It, it's, it's, a, it's an old system, and it was a system built largely out of the uh, the double down on the uh, on the on the Henry uh, and Hanson and and uh, Wayne Smith bus they got us that uh, that famed uh, World Cup victory they it, it, okay we take our time we stick with the old heads we don't throw it the baby out with the bathwater we can get this done it's been proven and until it's not they'll keep going that way because people uh, in positions like that are, are creatures of habit and they really love to throw uh, new voices and new faces in there because they're not quote unquote proven in that context it's it's uh, it's I think it holds them back but until it actually burns them that's what we'll keep seeing well, it Sam, you mentioned before, and you, though, Smithy, but yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't know if it is. I don't know if it is working these days. Um, you know, we, we've we've kind of in the All Blacks anyway. I'm thinking of here particularly. Uh, we had Sir Graham Henry. Obviously, they won the World Cup as Sam says in, in 2011. They won the World Cup in 2015. Since that World Cup in 2015, the All Blacks have gone backwards. Uh, they they were comprehensively outplayed in, in the semi-final in 2019. Then they retained someone who was all still been in that environment for a while, and Ian Foster, who was then promoted to the head coach. Look what's happened since then. I was listening to your interview with Scott Robertson, and, and I'll sound like a broken record, and there's probably a lot of people who keep saying this, but, man, it, it, just a, the most enormous missed opportunity from New Zealand rugby not to get him in as the All Blacks coach. They need a breath of fresh air. They need someone new. And I know we were talking about the Blackburns, but crikey, Dick, they missed their chance there. Uh, and the longer we wait, uh, the more we miss out with Scott Robertson because uh, he's a great coach, he's a fantastic coach, he's proven that, and he should be the All Blacks coach, uh, and I cannot believe that he's not. Yeah, I, I, more than I think that it's not that it hasn't, uh, it's not, I don't think it's working, Guy. I just think they haven't been burnt. They've been uh, slipped along the way until they get a stage where they go, do you know, we actually have no choice but to change. This is what the problem is when people make decisions yeah. from yeah. historic purposes, you know? Okay. Um, you talked no, no, about no, I, was, I was more just just more getting at, at the way that New Zealand rugby have gone about things. I just think it's bizarre. Anyway, we move on. Do you, <laughs> do, do you mind, guy, do you mind, guy? If I take my show back here, would you mind so much? <laughs> hey, it's a panel, Smithy, isn't it? It's a panel, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, but there's always there's well, always careful, the head mate. of a panel. Smithy, be the panel beater if you're not careful, guy. Calm down, mate. <laughs> the panel beater. I like it. I like it. Uh, hey, Sammy, you, you talk you talk about people changing habits um, and, and being homebodies now. We've had it ingrained almost into our system over the last two or three years. Uh, orange light, more crowds at, at games, do you think? More crowds for the Warriors in July? Big crowds coming back because it's a novelty to go out or what? Fingers crossed things like Orange Light just allow for that confidence. I think that there's enough people wanting to go, but enough there needs to be enough people prepared to go through with it. Um, people, some, some people don't buy tickets because they're afraid of the disappointment of needing to get their ticket refunded. Hopefully that there's a, a feeling now they can get out and get it done. And I'd just like to say, if you're in Christchurch or Invercargill or Rotorua this weekend, you're looking for something to do, Get out and support the ANZ Championship because these ladies have been playing some pretty high-quality um, netball, but behind closed doors, essentially, for the best part of uh, a couple of years now. So to give it, have them have the opportunity to play in front of a crowd. I really hope uh, they come back and uh, give them the support they need. But, yes, I do hope 
um, that crowds start to come back and people start to feel more comfortable in, in that environment. Time will tell, but um, yeah, hopefully uh, the is the smartness from uh, promoters and organisers of events as well that they're not going to suddenly try to. Uh, you know, charge like a wounded bull and try to price gouge to make back the money they lost. They need to encourage crowds back, and that's a two-way street. Uh, Guy, do you see it that way as well? Uh, yeah, absolutely, I do. I think the big test will probably be this weekend. Is it when the Phoenix return and play in Wellington? Uh, whether the crowds will turn out to that, what kind of crowd they get. They're obviously... Uh, they've bounced back now, two wins in a row after their little mishap uh, the last the last few weeks before that. I hope a big crowd turns out for them. I think that'll be the test. Overall, though, in terms of the netball, uh, I think it's been, well, indoor sport in general, I think it's been farcical that they haven't been allowed more than 200 people into those. When I can go down to the pub down the road that has, you know, 100, 150 people every Friday, Saturday, I can sit in a small enclosed area with that amount of people and yet I can't go or largely can't go down to watch uh, the ANZ Premiership or basketball or whatever it might be, uh, you know, more than 200 people. I think that's just been very, very bizarre. Uh, thank God that, that netball and those other indoor sports are now able to market so that they can get people along. And like Sam, I hope people do turn out because they absolutely deserve it. There have been some fantastic games uh, in the past few weeks, and and, um, and netball here is obviously a big sport in New Zealand. So, yeah, get out, support all those sports if you can afford to. I know it's hard at the moment, but uh, we want to see people back in the stadiums, don't we? Because that makes the experience in the stadium better and also makes the experience from watching at home better as well when you get that atmos, atmos through, through the speakers. So, yeah, I'd love to see a big crowd for the Phoenix this weekend and a big crowd across all sports. I have felt Sam Ackerman, I'm in uh, total agreement with you, and uh, particularly in that netball too, Sam, uh, some great points this morning. They were the panel, uh, folks, uh, here on SENZ. Uh, when we return, uh, we will have some uh, texts to read out, uh, some more reaction from uh, you at home, uh, and then, of course, we'll get uh, to the TAB, and I think to Mark Clayton this morning. Mark Clayton this morning with his view uh, on uh, what's coming up in terms of thoroughbred racing over this long weekend. 10.42. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And as we head towards uh, 11 o'clock, uh, a chance to uh, just read out uh, two or three texts. Good morning, guys. Thank you for two great interviews. Firstly, with Sam Pinfold. He'd make a great podcast subject along with Steve Williams, another Kapiti Coast boy, Kapiti Coast boy. Uh, and uh, like many of today's high-profile players, uh, those caddies uh, have got plenty to say. There's no quitting Cam Smith. Came back twice after misfortune on three and on 12. More big wins to come for him. You bet that there are. Yesterday's interview with the uh, author Angela Walker. Very, very intelligent. Easily the best-performed Kiwi or Australian in what is an incredibly de demanding sport of uh, rhythmic gymnastics. Yeah, um, look forward to that book arriving on my doorstep. And... Uh, I'm going to go back and read the one about uh, Prisoner of War, uh, Ian Walker, and the fact that <coughs> what he overcame. Uh, so what, what a great story that is. So yeah, two, uh, and Angela Walker, incredibly good interview. Uh, as is Razor. Smithy G. Razor is a cool cat. Love his passion and desire. The sooner we get this man the top job, the better, Jared. Um, uh, Simon has come in and uh, on a slightly negative note said, to be fair, no one has any idea how many people will turn up at events or why they don't in aggregate including your panellists. Well, yep, panellists uh, deal with uh, opinions, Simon. We shall uh, just have to wait and see if that is reflected in the numbers. 
Incidentally, we got an earlier uh, text to say, is Ricky Piwai at all related to Louis Piwai? Well, Logan did his homework, uh, got hold of Ricky Pie actually, uh, Ricky Piwai himself, actually, uh, straight to uh, the horse, and uh, out of the horse's mouth came the information, yes, great-grandfather, Louis Piwai, great-grandfather of Ricky Piwai. So there you go. Uh, don't forget the Piwai family in Hawke's Bay, too. Hepa Piwai, Murdoch Piwai. Uh, there's some uh, terrific... Uh, Piwais who have contributed to uh, New Zealand sport, not just uh, baseball, but uh, and rugby as well. Late one coming here from Graham, and I haven't pre-read this, so this could be interesting. Morning, Smithy. Just listening to the panel disagree with Guy on the Blackburn success up uh, until there is last tour where they were totally outplayed, fashioned, out-tackled, totally unfit. Some of those players were walking after 10 minutes of the first game against England. Perhaps they should be looking at their own performance Firstly, before pointing the finger at everyone else and why there weren't any complaints against the coach when they were winning the World Cup. Or maybe some players were told some home truths couldn't handle it and jumped on social media. I note the player who raised her concerns on social media, by the way, hasn't made the wider squad. That is uh, true, Graham from Marlborough, formerly, uh, formerly from Northland. I uh, love that uh, byline that you sign your way, <laughs> sign yourself off with as well. Yeah, I mean, that's been the general gist of it, isn't it? Uh, and they're going to have to work very hard on, on a lot of those aspects. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they've uh, been given a, a pay rise or some money uh, to prepare for that. I think 29 of them were given a, a contract or a temporary contract and in order to prepare better, commit more time to preparing better physically um, and technically uh, for this World Cup coming up. So not just the coaching thing, it's always on the individual. Uh, goodness me, even... Uh, Back in the old playing days of the old black caps, which we, I never played for, but uh, the uh, young guns, shall we say. Uh, we got told to go to the gym every now and then. We got a free gym membership, and that was cool. And uh, I almost remember my first gym boss was a guy by the name of Jim Blair. Uh, Jim Blair looked after uh, the Auckland rugby team at the time, and man, were they a good team. Uh, and Jim Blair's um, method of training me was, uh, I felt at times, the same as it was for training the likes of Gary and Alan Wetton. In other words, they tried to build me up to be some sort of monster. Uh, <laughs> and I, I certainly wasn't. I was supposed to be quite nimble and quick, and I always blame. Now the fact that I'm not nimble and quick anymore, I always blame Jim Blair when I look in the mirror. 10.51 here on SENZ. And uh, when we come back, we shall ch check out what Clado has to say about the weekend of racing coming up. Uh, and also, uh, I think, Pip Morris from the TAB, maybe. On SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. 10.56. 10.56. A different horse to talk to this morning, and that is uh, Mark Clayton. Uh, and Clayton, uh, welcome into the show again. And uh, a big uh, weekend of, over the long weekend of racing in particular, all the codes. But uh, Tarapa on Saturday, uh, looking forward to the Breeders' Stakes. Yeah, good morning, Smithy, and all your listeners. Yeah, shaping up as a fantastic race. Imperiatriz has come up a even-money favourite at $2. And Coventina Bay, gee, Robbie Patterson can't be more bullish about her. She's at two fifty, and, and that's the way I'm leaning Coventina Bay to make it three group ones on end. Yeah, any particular reason why? You, you think pace of the race or the, the track or whatever? I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is at the moment because... A lot of New Zealand's copped a lot of rain. What's, what's, uh, what track's Butcher coming up with? Oh, look, she, she's a mare, Smithy. She's got an amazing turn of foot. Uh, the speed will be on on Saturday. She's just in the zone. She had that trial up at Rotorua last week before the race has got underway. 
and Craig Grawls Road. I went back to the railway state. Really nice ground along the inside. Of course, Levante runs second in that heat, but she's not there tomorrow, so she's a little bit um, under the weather, but uh, she'll keep. But, um, yeah, just shape it up. The field sort of built up a bit. It was getting a bit light there on numbers, but it's still shaping up mm-hmm. as a fantastic uh, highlight of the weekend. Also racing at Hastings uh, and Riverton, so uh, I guess uh, on Saturday afternoon you guys will be pretty busy. Yes, the Hawks Bay Cup on Saturday, your local uh, Smithy, and I think the local icon Patrick Campbell's got a great chance of taking out the Hawks Bay Cup with Hunter Pence. I'll tear the stand down if Hunter Pence can get up with Patrick. And yeah, good oil. Uh, we're doing good oil on Saturday, 1 o'clock till 5 o'clock, and we've got Craig Baker from the ATR and Steve McKee, legendary trainer. Steve McKee joining us, and boys had a bit of a fill up last week with Steve Davis and Luke Reddit, so we're looking to do it again. Good on you, Clado. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Have a great weekend, particularly on the punt. Pip Morris from the TAB joins us today on a massive day for Greyhound Racing uh, at Cambridge in particular, and I'm looking at the, the Derby field, Pip, uh, at uh, 2.39 this afternoon. What a cracker. Good morning to you, Smithy. It certainly is. Of course, Anthony Hart and there, or better known as Jack, he's got uh, the two key chances with Master Porthos out wide, Diogo Gem in the inside. They've been the best backs as well with the TAB. And then, of course, the power superstar. No surprise to see Gina Dave say he was won the derby four times prior uh, to have him well supported along with Apawa Wayne. It's an absolute cracker. And there's other dogs with chances too. Bonus back races on the first two races, including Cambridge Harness with the race as well. And Krug's been really back there as well with Spankham. So heaps to look forward to out of Cambridge today. Yep, I really am. Pip, uh, class all around, around the joint and going into the evening as well with the trots. Uh, we are going to be talking after uh, 11 o'clock to uh, our favourite football correspondent in Ricardo Ball. Meanwhile, we're coming up to the 11 o'clock news and that means it's time for Ottawa. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And that is it, Liverpool for the 12th time in their history into the semi-finals of the European Cup or Champions League. 3-3 on the night, 6-4 on aggregate. But the quadruple remains on for Liverpool. Just once or twice you wondered whether Benfica might give them a sensational scare tonight and it was a fine performance from the Portuguese side. Yep, three all. It's uh, Liverpool and Benfica this morning uh, and also another draw in the other important match. Uh, Atletico Madrid had a player sent off uh, against Manchester City. That was uh, a nil-all draw. And the old beautiful game, it just keeps on uh, coming on every day, doesn't it? 365 days of the year, it appears, as a game of football somewhere in the world uh, that uh, matters uh, greatly to some. Um, and so over the long weekend, for those fans that want to treat themselves to maybe to a, che- a cheeky little Easter egg or a cheeky big Easter egg for that matter, in the middle of the night, the football will keep on coming in. And one of those blokes uh, who might like an Easter egg or, or two, I would imagine he just g- uh, gives them to his beautiful daughter, uh, is Ricardo Ball, uh, who joins us uh, again this morning as we look back on uh, football action uh, to come. And that has just been. Uh, and Ricardo, we, now we know what the semi finalists for the Champions League. Good morning to you. Yeah, we do. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. And um, yeah, a morning. Full of drama uh, again, and uh, you know we're two games that were 
really polar opposites of each other. You know, the Benfica-Liverpool game, both teams going at a hammer and tongs, six goals. Not one yellow card, Smithy. And then over in uh, Madrid, uh, Diego Simeone, uh, the, the master of the dark arts, and his team uh, ground out a nil-all draw against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, and there were cards galore. There was fouls galore. There was an all-in at the end. Oh, mate, I tell you what, two, two games couldn't have been more different. Okay, so um, the upshot of that is is what in terms of uh, semi-final matchups? Well, the uh, the, the the semi-final matchups um, are, are going to be interesting. Actually, I, I I'm not sure uh, that they've done the draw for that yet. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing who gets what. Um, I, I think it would be disappointing to see Man City and Liverpool in a semi-final together. Um, so on, on that front, you would hope that you know it's Villarreal and Real Madrid, uh, you know, sort of against the two English side, whichever way that plays out. And then we can, uh, we've can we got the potential of, of an all-English final or potentially even an all-Spanish final because, you know, Villarreal have, have upset all the odds. They've knocked out Juventus, they've knocked out Bayern Munich, and uh, they are now in a semi-final of the Champions League. And, you know, a guy, Unai Emery, that couldn't get it done at Arsenal uh, is proving that in the Spanish leagues he's uh, one of the best managers going around. That is very interesting, actually, because I, I was going to say, where have they come from for your Real? I mean, I, I know that you have to perform well to get into the Champions League itself anyway, but so, I mean, there's no poor sides that go into it. But if you look at uh, the starting group in the Champions League, Villarreal, I would imagine, were not um, on everyone's hit list, were they? No, they weren't, weren't at all. I mean, they're one of those teams that. Uh uh, has usually done quite well in the Europa League. In fact, Unai Emery, who's, who's the manager there, uh, has previously been with Valencia and Sevilla, and I think he has won five Europa Leagues uh, as a manager across those three teams as well. Uh, they were the team that beat Manchester United in the in the Europa League final a while ago. So they, they are a team that... Um, knows how to play in Europe, and Unai Emery, I, I think, you know, it says more about the, what was going on upstairs at Arsenal and maybe uh, their, uh, the players that they were bringing in and letting go than it did about his, his skill because, you know, he's gone back to Spain, slotted straight back in there and, and been successful again. Uh, and I don't think, and I certainly thought, gave them a chance against Juventus because I don't think Juventus are as strong as they have been, but I certainly gave them no chance against Bayern Munich. Um, particularly when the second league was in Germany. Mm. No, of course, uh, that was a real, a real upset. Uh, yesterday we saw Chelsea beat uh, Real Madrid 3-2, but lost out on aggregate 5-4. So uh, uncertain times now, I, I would imagine, for Chelsea. They've probably got third place sewn up in the EPL, so they've got Europe to look forward to again next year. But uh, what about uh, the ownership and uh, goings-on at, uh, at Chelsea itself at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's still pretty cloudy there, Smithy. There's, there's been a bunch of bids. I think there's about three or four different consortiums who have, who have put bids forward. It's just a matter of what's going to happen um, on that front. And, you know, I guess from a playing point of view, from a staff point of view, if you're the manager, Thomas Tuchel, uh, there's a lot of white noise going on. It's how, how do you filter that out and get your team to focus? And I think he did a really good job of making it us against them. Uh, and, and instilling a bit of a, a fortress mentality in the dressing room to start with, but I think we've you know seen that it has gotten to them uh, a couple of times, and you know the Brentford loss was one of them. I think the first league against Real Madrid when they lost three one at home was another. Uh, he may have pulled it round after they beat Southampton six nil on the weekend, but it, uh, too little, too late uh, during the week, unfortunately for Chelsea uh, and Real Madrid uh, looking good. I mean, I, I think I said a couple of weeks ago that they were 
as much as Real Madrid can be a dark horse, uh, to go all the way. And I think Carlo Ancelotti's doing a fantastic job there with some real veterans. You know, Luka Modric in that game was just absolutely superb. A couple of the passes he played were some of the best passes I've ever seen played at that level of football. And, you know, with Kareem Benzema, uh, Vinicius Jr., Rodrigo, those guys that have got the youngsters coming through, they've got a really talented side. Um, and how's this for a stat? I know you, you love a stat, Smithy. Uh, this was the fifth time that Real Madrid have played the defending champions of the Champions League in a knockout match uh, and won. The previous four times they went on and won the competition. Really interesting. Got uh, two or three texts that have uh, just come in. Drawers, Liverpool v Villarreal, uh, Man City versus uh, Real Madrid. So that's come in from Carl and from Chris. Um, <coughs> good matchups, those. Uh, the, it, it avoids the All England one, doesn't it? It does avoid the All England one, yeah, yeah. I think those are great matchups, and you know, I, I think uh, Liverpool will probably be quite the, probably the happiest team with that draw. I mean, even though you know we've talked about what Villarreal have done so well, I think they are still probably the weakest squad out of the four left. Uh, so I think Liverpool and Liverpool fans will be happy with that draw. Uh, and on the other side of things, you know, you've got that intrigue of Pep Guardiola having to go back to Madrid again. Uh, you know, mm. former Barcelona manager, and you know, you, we know what that rivalry is like between Real Madrid and Barcelona. So him having to go and play the old enemy in, in, in Real Madrid again and, and go up against a very wily manager in Carlo Ancelotti, that makes for a great semi-final. That one is the one that I will be watching definitely. Uh, I think that that's going to be an, a really intriguing matchup. OK, so uh, this weekend in British football as well, let's uh, look, uh, first of all, before we go to the FA Cup, let's look at uh, the EPL itself, the matchups: uh, Tottenham, Brighton, Man U, uh, Norwich, uh, Watford, Brentford, uh, Southampton, Arsenal, uh, then uh, Newcastle, Leicester, and West Ham, Burnley. The games, crucial games there. Uh, West Ham, I'm talking top four, uh, bottom four here, or top three, bottom four. Mm. Uh, West Ham, Burnley is, is huge. Manchester United, Norwich, maybe uh, a, a game too late for Norwich. Tottenham, Brighton, uh, Tottenham fringing around the top four. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, that one, because we saw Brighton, who came, uh, who have been a very good side, particularly the first half of the season, and they they went on the skids a bit, but they they bounced back, beat Arsenal at Arsenal last weekend, um, inflicted Arsenal's second loss on the bounce on them, and that's put Tottenham in the driver's seat uh, for that fourth spot in Champions League football next season. So really interested to see how that game plays out. Graham Potter, the manager at Brighton, is a guy that's been linked to the Tottenham job uh, before they appointed Antonio Conte as well. So a potential upset there. That could be a banana skin for Spurs. Um, and I look forward to seeing that one. Um, I think uh, the Arsenal game away at Southampton is going to be interesting as well. As I mentioned, Arteta's team have lost Palace and now lost to Brighton uh, in back-to-back games. And that fourth place in, in Champions League football looks, you know, is, is out of their control now. Uh, so they need to win this game. And on the flip side of that, as I mentioned, Southampton got beaten 6-0 by Chelsea. And it's not often mm. you see a team uh, who's beaten like that not bounce back the next week. So I'm interested to see what the Southampton response is. And it, it, could, have, uh, it could be set up for Arsenal that it's, uh, you know, it's absolutely the wrong time to play Southampton as well away. So uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup. The cream has really risen to the top in the FA Cup this year. I love that. Uh, Manchester City, Liverpool, that's uh, Sunday, 2.30 New Zealand time. Uh, and then Monday morning, Chelsea against Crystal Palace. So all three of the top sides in the EPL have made it through to this competition. And the reason I like that is because sometimes when you've got Europe in mind, 
Yeah, you bail out on a couple of competitions, uh, Ricardo, but it doesn't appear that the big boys have done that this year. No, no, exactly, they haven't, and uh, you know that's great to see. And you know, there's a lot riding on that semi-final between Liverpool and Manchester City. You know, it's two teams that played each other last week, two teams that could potentially meet in a Champions League final. And you know, the talk is already of could this team do the uh, treble? Could this team do the quadruple? Uh, so a win for either team in that is going to deny the other a piece of history. Uh, so there's so much riding on that. And I think mentally as well, uh, that either team winning this could inflict a blow in the title race as well. You know, it's just getting that mental edge over the other. And as I mentioned, potentially a Champions League finalist as well. Uh, if you can get the wood on them now, what does that do mentally to that team going forward? So I, I, I'm really looking forward to that matchup. And, you know, I, I know we've talked about the big three here, but I think Crystal Palace deserves a shout because Patrick Vieira uh, taking over Crystal Palace, when he came in, I thought it was a really uh, risky appointment uh, from Palace with Patrick Vieira. He'd done a little bit in the MLS with New York FC. He'd gone to France and, and he'd done okay with Nice, but not blindingly brilliant. And then he'd gone into Palace and he tore up what Roy Hodgson had laid down. He really, uh, they had a lot of players out of contract. He let a whole bunch of players go. He signed a bunch of young players, brought some in from France, brought some in, a couple in, uh, one that he had signed from Chelsea, and uh, some young guys who were looking for a chance in the EPL. And I thought, you know, that we've seen that happen before with other managers who have tried to do the same thing at a, in an established EPL club, and they've come in and they've gone, well, you know, they play negative football. Uh, we want to play better football. We want to get further up the league. And it's all gone pear-shaped because they've tried to change too much too soon. And I, to be honest, had Crystal Palace in my bottom three at the beginning of the season. I thought, this is too much of a risk. It could all go pear-shaped, uh, but it hasn't. And I think if you were going to name a Premier League manager of the season right now, I think it's Patrick Vieira. I think he's done an absolutely magnificent job at Crystal Palace. And, uh, you know, I, I would love to see them uh, get through to an FA Cup final. I think it would be well-deserved. Right, let's get closer to home uh, because uh, it's worth talking about. Uh, the Phoenix, of course, 1-0 over Perth Glory. That's uh, two in a row. Ricardo, after a time, I think I spoke to you this time last week uh, when you were uh, filling in in the mornings, and I, we got this horrible feeling that, you know, with these thumpings that, uh, that the, the Phoenix copped, and they were thumpings, that could be a really big alarm sign, but they've turned it round. Yeah, they have, mate. You're exactly right. I mean, I put my hand up and say I didn't see it coming. You know, they'd shipped 11 goals in two matches, and they were coming up against the second team in the league, and I'm like... You know, the, the whole midfield is gone. Um, uh, Gary Hooper, their best striker, is gone. Uh, you know, there, there was so much that, that has gone wrong for them. And they've got all these games in such a short period of time. You know, they're playing every three or four days. I just thought they're worn out, they're tired. There's lack of options now for Ufuk Tale. Uh, and I, I thought, oh, they're going to be on the skids. They're going to go backwards. Then they, they turn up at second place Western uh, United and, and turn them over 4-1. I mean, it was 3-0 at half time. It, it, it wasn't even... They, they made it look pretty easy, and then last night they went out to Perth, or they went to they played Perth in Sydney, and uh, uh, beat them one nil. It was a bit of a battle, but it was torrential rain. It was horrible conditions, but they got the three points, and uh, they have turned it around. And now they currently sit, I think, um, fourth on the ladder, and there's every chance they can go third. Um, and you know they've they've been done a favour uh, last night. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers took two uh, took two points off uh, Central Coast Mariners with a two all draw, and the Mariners one of the teams sort of. Uh, around that sixth spot that, that could have challenged the Phoenix because they've got games in hand as well. But uh, things are going right for the Phoenix at the moment. Um, the only thing I would say uh, that has been disappointing is 
to hear that Sam Sutton has uh, tested positive for COVID, so he couldn't play last night. Uh, Sam has been the number one left back, really, most of the season for the Phoenix. And then with the injuries to Clayton Lewis and Alex Rufer, uh, Ufuk Tele had moved him into his midfield um, and, and played someone else at left back. Uh, and so to lose him, it's another midfield piece gone, I think is a bit of a blow. Uh, so hopefully he's not too crook and hopefully he recovers soon and, and can get back over here. Uh, probably not for this weekend, but potentially for Western Sydney Wanderers at, at Eden Park. Well, yeah, I was going to say, what we do know is uh, where they're going to be on the 24th of April at Eden Park. Now we're in orange, of course, which means it's open slather. Uh, we can have massive crowds. Are you expecting, what are you expecting out of that homecoming? Yeah, I think it'll be big. I think it'll be really big. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's quite going to be sort of the 23,000, 24,000 that they had last time they were at Eden Park. I think there is still a little bit of public reluctance. Uh, I think people have got used to being at home. And also, I think there, there's still a little bit of a, a factor of um, do I want to risk going out and potentially catching COVID? Uh, I, I mean, I think that we've seen that has held back some events like the rugby uh, the other weekend, uh, Smithy at in Hamilton, you know, the, the Chiefs versus the Blues. Uh, I was surprised, I don't know about you, but to only see 11,000 or 12,000, whatever it was in, in that stadium. Uh, and the Canes, I think, have, have felt a bit the same in, in the cake tin as well uh, with lack of crowds. I don't know if that's uh, anything to do with the rugby or more to do with, uh, uh, you know, wanting to be out and about and people being used to being home more. So that's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But, I, you know, I think the story of the Phoenix has been a real fairy tale. I think they've captured the public imagination. There's probably more about the Phoenix in the press this season than there has ever been. So, yeah, I, th I think we could edge towards 20,000 at Eden Park. And, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens at, uh, at, at the Cape Town this week, this Sunday as well. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, look forward to uh, uh, all those football matters coming up, uh, particularly a busy weekend over the long weekend. Ricardo Ball, as always, thanks very much for your time uh, and your knowledge. Always, uh, always well and truly received by our listeners as well. Thank you. No, thank you, Smithy. Love it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see everybody at four. I'm, I'm doing Drive with Beef. Oh, Drive with Beef. Okay, four o'clock this afternoon, Ricardo Ball and Stephen Donald, the beaver. Uh, and then, of course, we head into the evening uh, when our boys are on track at Cambridge for the race. The race tonight, 900,000 bucks up for grabs. And uh, everyone is uh, thinking about self-assured. <coughs> I'm more spanking. It is uh, time to go for a break. And when we come back, it'll, uh, it'll be hi uh, highlight time. Yeah, highlights from around the world, headlines from around the world with Logan Swinkles. Vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, it is time to go around the world here on SCNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. I am, of course, producer Logan Swinkles going through the headlines around the world. Smithy, we'll go a little bit closer to home to start with. Uh, the New Zealand Cricket Awards have literally just wrapped up in the last few minutes. Uh, Black Caps pace bowler Tim Southey, he's been crowned uh, with a stellar season by winning the Sir Richard Hadley medal. What do you make of that? Yeah, interesting one. They could have gone for a lot of players. Um, I think it was quite even this year. You look across the batting and bowling sides of things, but I think great reward for Tim Southey. Uh, I think he'll be dead chuffed to receive uh, the Richard Hadley medal as well because uh, it, it, there's a lot of hard work goes into it, especially from a bowling point of view. So 
uh, I think that's a, a pretty good award. Always available, Tim Southey, um, and uh, always gives his heart. And uh, this season, his, his uh, skills have been as good as they have uh, throughout his career. So I think a very worthy winner of the Richard Hadley medal. Absolutely. he. Uh, I mean, massive season for him. Captured 36 test wickets. Uh, including best figures of 6 for 43 against England at Lords and uh, five crucial wickets against India and, of course, the World Test Championship final in Southampton. So great, great for uh, Tim Sally, great result there. And then the the award that you won a couple of years ago, Smithy, the Burt Sutcliffe Medal for Outstanding Service to Cricket, uh, has gone to Penny Kinsella, who uh, to this day still does lots to help grow uh, the women's game in cricket here in New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, we've talked about this at length. It is a great year for women's cricket in New Zealand and capping it off with Penny getting the Burt, Burt Sutcliffe Medal. Yeah, she'll be pleased about that uh, and fully deserved. Penny Kinsella also played cricket for New Zealand. She played six tests and 21-day internationals uh, and a lot of first-class cricket as well. Uh, born in Palmerston North, a daughter of uh, an international test umpire, actually, and Dave Kinsella. Um, so, yes, she is uh, a worthy recipient of that work for the work she's done uh, since uh, retiring from uh, playing on the field. So, uh, well done to Penny Kinsella as well. Quickly hitting around the world, Smithy. Uh, in the times where quarterbacks around the NFL have been, you know, shifting che- uh, teams and getting traded left, right, and centre, uh, Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr is staying put with the team. Uh, he signed a three-year contract extension worth 180 million US dollars. NFL Network uh, has reported it includes a no-trade clause. Who had one season remaining on a five-year deal. Uh, and he'll be reunited with off-season acquisition Devontae Adams, who was acquired from the Green Bay Packers back in March. So Raiders, they finished 10-7. That was their record in 2021. Uh, lost to the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC wildcard game. So looking to improve next year and keeping consistent there by having Derek Carr back in the slot, throwing the passes. Yeah, impressive, actually, Derek Carr, one of the... Uh Lesser known quarterbacks, I think it's fair to say, but 180 million bucks, that'll make you pretty happy any day of the week, wouldn't it? So astronomical amount of money the quarterbacks are in for. I think um, uh, right up there with uh, with pitchers, um, the standout players in the NBA, uh, but those quarterbacks, man, they attract the, the big attention. Of course, he'll be up against Tom Brady yet again now that uh, he's retired and made uh, the quickest comeback since God invested com- uh, invented comebacks, so that was good. <laughs> Um, what else? <laughs> Anything else you got lined up there? Yeah, one more. Speaking of potential, this may be a comeback down the line. Bit of golf here for you, Smithy. Bryson DeChambeau, who's been uh, battling injuries for much of the season, uh, pulled out of a long drive competition in Florida and will now instead undergo surgery on his left hand. That's uh, expected to happen tomorrow. Uh, this was first reported by Sports Illustrated. Uh, he missed the cut at last week's Masters after posting a combined scores of 12 over in the first two rounds. Uh, he's been battling hand and hip injuries for a while. His doctors advised him not to play uh, at Augusta, but he did anyway. His quest for distance and power contributed to those injuries. He said he was recovering from a hairline fracture of the hammock bone in his left hand and a minor labrum tear in his left hip. Uh, DeChambeau said, one of the things I didn't do is take care of my hands and my hip like I should have, and I went pretty hard. So I guess lesson learnt there. He's now going to go under the knife. Uh, We wish you all the best, Bryson DeChambeau, and we can't wait to see you back on the golf course. Is that Brooks Kepka speaking? Is that Brooks Kepka saying, oh dear, how sad, never mind. (laughs) Uh, um, And is it surprising when it comes to impact? I mean, he hits the damn thing so hard. 
Uh, he's built himself up. He hits the biggest clubs, the longest shafts and everything. Everything is about brute force with Bryson DeChambeau, the scientist they call him. Well, this experiment has absolutely completely failed uh, and his body is starting, uh, I think, to show signs of that at a relatively young age. I mean, you just can't defy gravity at that pace for that long and not expect uh, gravity to fight back at you. So uh, we'll just wait and see uh, how long he's out of the game for, but certainly he's uh, off the radar in terms of the top elite players at the moment where Scotty Scheffler absolutely reigns supreme. You can now yourself reign supreme. It is, uh, for the last time this week for me anyway, Stump Smithy. Uh, we have got $100 of TAB product up for grabs. We also have some uh, sleep drops up for grabs as well. So you can get on the line now at 0800 150 811, uh, 0800 150 811 and just see if this weekend can start off on a positive note for you. Good luck. It's 11.30 and uh, Ottawa is here with the news. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Batter up. It's time to get stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Last one before uh, Smithy takes a nice little long weekend. Before we get to our first caller, Smithy, what do you got planned for Easter? Well, I've got to go to the rugby tomorrow night in Christchurch. Good Friday, so uh, Crusaders Blues and then head back. I, I don't know, mate. I'll probably just uh, resume my triathlon training. Um, I'll just uh, see how it goes. But uh, it, it doesn't pay over the course of a long weekend to let that, that level of training that I'm at at the moment just go by the wayside because it takes too, it's too hard to recover. So I'll be back on the bike uh, probably um, in the pool and uh, certainly be pounding the streets around the village. So, uh, And if you believe that, uh, then you're crazy. Moving right along. <laughs> yeah, well, for grabs today is $100 TAB bonus bet plus some sleep drops, daytime revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Joining us at the crease, uh, funnily enough, from Cambridge, seems like everyone uh, on SCNZ is heading to Cambridge today. Kevin, come in, mate. How you going, guys? All right? Yeah, good, doing good, Yeah, mate. we're good, mate. We're very good. Uh, the yeah, race tonight there uh, at, at the track, $900,000, the race tonight. That's a big event. Plus, uh, the Greyhound's probably one of their big days of the year. So she's all going Cambridge, mate. Look out. It's the focal point of New Zealand, boys. You're right. <laughs> Love it. Hey, Name of the <laughs> Yeah, well, Kevin, good luck to you, mate. Uh, up for grabs. So that you know what's up for grabs. Today's topics, though, uh, New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games, golf and rugby. Take your pick. I thought you were going to go harness racing today, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's go golf. Didn't sense a lot of confidence in there, so we'll see how you go, mate. See how you go. Uh, Smithy loves his golf, loves his harness racing too. So I imagine he'd probably go pretty well in that category. Maybe for another time. Anyway, Kevin, first up. The Masters is held at Augusta National Golf Club, but in which American state is that? Georgia. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. I mean, we all know you would have had that one, Smithy. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing here? Sport or geography? Of course I had that one. <laughs> <laughs> Some people may have just learned a lesson today in geography. You never know. Uh, in what year... Okay. Did Fiji's Vijay Singh win the Masters? 
Oh, wow. God. Okay. DJ Singh. Uh, uh, 1989. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not 1989. Smithy, over to you. Well, VJ Singh's now been on the players, the senior players tour for quite some time, the, the Champions Tour, if you like, these days. Um, I would be saying that uh, VJ Singh won a, a hell of a long time ago when he was probably in his mid to late 30s. Uh, so 40, uh, I'm going in the 80s, 1988. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Uh, it was actually a lot more, well, not more recent, and it was still a while ago, but it was the year 2000, finishing 10, oh, un- wow. 10 under par with a three-stroke <laughs> victory over Ernie Owls. Good God. Yeah. Good. Go so, okay. Kevin, Kevin from That's Cambridge, you are still in line to win a $100 TAB bonus bet plus a Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. Last question. The tradition of the Masters Champions Dinner goes back to 1952. But after winning the the 88 Masters, what did Britain's Sandy Lyle serve up? Uh, I'm going to say... Haggis? <laughs> Just a couple of chips. Oh, no! Right in the slot, <laughs> and away it goes. Mate, yeah. Kevin, I thought I would have had you there. I honestly thought I would have had you there because uh, I think a lot of people, when you think Britain, you're not instantly going to think Haggis, but you went there. Congratulations. Well, I wanted to say yeah. good whiskey, but it's not a meal, yeah. so I went. They only eat Haggis and drink whiskey, so I went the other one. It was absolutely spectacular, mate. What a terrific answer was. That was just uh, reading between the lines very well. So take that 100 bucks, Take those sleep drops. Have a great long weekend. Stay on the line. Uh, Brian will get your details if he hasn't got them already. And uh, if you go to Cambridge, if you go to the raceway tonight, Kev, uh, at least you know you're uh, starting off on credit, courtesy of us. Have a great weekend, man. Thank you very much, Smitty. And thank you, sleep drops. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, yeah, Kevin from Cambridge there is a winner this morning. Outstanding. So, uh, yeah, 11.38 here uh, on SENZ. When we come back, we shall have some Greyhound news for you. Um, and I, I do really, if, if possible, if you can arrange, I want a couple of minutes of Ottawa's time as well, if we can, uh, just to, to lead into a, a something that's uh, cropped up overnight, which she'll have an opinion on, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, we'll be back shortly. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. Yeah, all thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Each week uh, we as uh, show members uh, all go into competition and try and raise money for uh, our particular charity of choice. Uh, We stayed with Women's Refuge as we did with the Harness Racing Selection. Well, this week our Greyhound uh, is at Manukau on Sunday. Manukau on Sunday. Uh, it is race four, number six, Thea Hu. Thea Hu, uh, the only Thea I can think of is uh, Thea Muldoon, who was uh, the uh, wife of uh, former Prime Minister Robert Muldoon. Uh, we've raised 210 bucks so far in our charity, so we're uh, hoping that number four, uh, sorry, race four, number six, Thea Hu, is successful at uh, Monaco Raceway on Saturday. And of course, uh, if you're into your greyhounds, you can tune in to SENZ every Sunday from 11 to 12. 
Uh, starts 11 o'clock Sunday morning for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. It's hosted by our very own Ricardo Ball, who's joined by Greyhound experts Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. So don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand Dog Speed. Now, Araha, I requested your attention uh, before because uh, I was looking at this thing um, in motor racing. And now that I've got uh, motor racing, and I went to the pub last night, by the way, and had a drink with a few of my mates. Did you? Said, Did you have the right underwear on? Who was? Yeah, ah, see? And who's this lady? Who is this lady? This lady with these forthright opinions. Very oh. impressed with us. So I explained exactly who you were. And uh, so I said, she, as you well know, she is a Formula One guru S. I won't say you're a guru. I don't know what the female for guru is. Guru S. Anyway, I'm not even we'll sure what that. the human um, for guru really is. <laughs> but anyway, you're in that category. So good luck to you there. And I read this headline this morning. I thought Formula One boss comes under fire over crackdown on crack I think it's quite a, a clever headline by the way crackdown on drivers fire risk underwear so uh, I understand that before the race at Albert Park last week uh, they have a meeting a driver's meeting and one of the major topics was your undies well it was, was better than it was better than the, the meeting in, in Jeddah where things were being blown up it was much more it was a funner meeting <laughs> I suppose for the for the race car drivers so they have rules around the Piercings, body piercings, jewellery, uh, underwear, and it's around. You know, it's like when I played netball. You can't wear your earrings and your your neck chains and your I love you half heart things that you got from your fourteen year old boyfriend at the time. That's the last time I played netball. Um, you weren't allowed to wear your jewellery. It was a safety thing. So I guess they're saying it's the same thing for Formula One. I just don't. Roman Grosjean, the man who walked out of fire, as he puts it himself. Walked out of fire, and the bit that on him that was burnt was that that was his hands because he had to put them into the flames, and he didn't suffer burns on any other part of his body because he had the right undies on. What I wanted to know was like if if it's about the undies that you've got on underneath your fireproof undies, doesn't matter because the fireproof undies should be fireproof. Therefore, your underneath undies should be safe. And not causing any problems. Do you understand my yeah? Understand my undies I'm, I'm, talk. I'm kind of thinking that we're talking a lot of undies here. You brought it up. Well, you were having a but, beer. But and no, you, do you want to talk about the jewellery? Yeah, we, we are wearing a lot of undies here. If we're wearing undies under undies under undies, I mean, I mean, for I don't instance, know if anyone's doing undies uh, under uh, undies under undies, but they might be doing undies under undies because otherwise they feel like they're going commando, as Daniel Ricciardo put it last weekend. Okay, so what you can, what can you wear then? That say it's precious to you, superstitious to you. If you're yeah, a, a Formula One driver, you're travelling it. If, well, they might be superstitious. They might be lucky undies, lucky socks, lucky undies. Well, I wouldn't. Could they not be? Well, you could wear them in lots of situations, just not in the Formula One car. You know, not in oh. the new car. You could wear them. Look, wear your lucky undies to the pub. I, I maybe. So the, <laughs> you know, do that afterwards. I, I, look, the, Lewis Hamilton, it was really funny because they had these, because F1, 
the televised version is a is a very different entertainment beast to what Formula One is in the flesh. If you're sitting there in the stands, you're there smelling the fumes of the new, more environmentally friendly fuels, um, hearing the engines that are no longer V10s, but they still sound cool. You're in a different space to what Formula One televised is. And so, of course, there's this entertainment part where they'll zoom in on Lewis's nose because it has the piercing. And then they mm. have lots of presses televised about uh, the, the various drivers talking about and making jokes about where their piercings are and how they can't get rid of them in time for the race. So there is a grace period for jewellery and uh, undies, or lack of, lack thereof. So they've got a little bit of time. But a lot of the drivers just said, look, it's been, this rule's been around for 10 years. We've been doing this the whole time. Come and have a look if you want to see where they are and you can take them out yourself. When, when is uh, Formula One's next port of call, Ottawa, on a more um, serious note? And, and do they, they have an Andy inspection at that point? Yeah. Well, they're in Italy, um, not this weekend, the weekend after. They head off to Imola, so Ferrari will be, if they'll be happy, the, the friends, the Tifosi will be very excited to have Ferrari in, back home, but only if they win. And that heart-shaped necklace that you wore as a 14-year-old netballer, did it work for that young bloke that gave it to you? Actually, you know what? I think at 14 it was probably something I bought myself and told everyone that someone oh. had given me half of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. So what's, what do you look, what's your look forward to this weekend, Arawa? What What's on your um, menu in terms of maybe sport or something else? I am watching a lot of netball this weekend. I actually tried to go online and get some tickets because now that we're at orange level, um, I'm mm. a basketballer. I, I wasn't a huge, I wasn't very good at netball. I was better at basketball. I liked things that bounced. So, but I will support the netball this weekend because it's the first time they've been able to have crowds now that we're at orange level and the tickets have gone up on their website almost immediately. You can you can go and grab them off the ANZ Premiership website. So we were looking forward to trying to do some of that if we could get to the netball. Otherwise, it's long weekend, and I have a lot of cleaning that hasn't been done since probably Christmas. Okay. Well, you have a great weekend anyway. Yeah, thanks, uh, Smithy. Thank you very much. No worries. Contribution to the show this week uh, out, outside the news as well. It's been very enlightening. Thank you. Uh, and we look forward to more of that going forward. And incidentally, Yarrow, I just got a text in as well to say, uh, the fire safe fabric won't stick to the skin and heat. Uh, we're talking about the undies on a serious note here, and I appreciate that. Uh, normal undies uh, under the fireproof will still melt into the skin, and that's, it would cause death to cause death to peel fabric off that area. That's what I needed. I needed that level of expertise because they only gave the entertainment level during the weekend of Formula One. Yeah. No one was telling me why you couldn't do undies under undies. It seemed like if you had a fireproof barrier, shouldn't it be mm. fireproof? Thank you, Smithy. I am enlightened. Ah, thank, thank you to uh, our texter who came in late there, our last one for the week. Uh, so. It's good. Uh, it's 11.51 here, and uh, when we return, time to catch up with uh, Staffy on this Thursday before the long weekend and before the race tonight at Cambridge. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.